0: Migrants often have a hard time assimilating into a new place. A new culture can feel daunting to anyone moving. But it's even harder when your skin color means you stand out in a crowd, and being a migrant becomes part of your identity, which you cannot hide. In Tunisia, migrants are feeling the harsh reality of exclusion on a day-to-day basis, sometimes with dangerous consequences. On February 21st, 2023, Tunisia's President Qais Saied claimed after meeting with the National Security Council that a criminal plan has been set up since the beginning of this century to alter the demographic structure of Tunisia. He also accused certain parties of receiving money to enable the occupation of irregular sub-Saharan migrants in Tunisia. He did not say who the supposed parties were supposed to be. The president's words were said to have given the green light for racists in the country to begin what was described as a witch hunt against not only sub-Saharan African migrants, but the black community in general. Before those statements were made, a racist online campaign targeting sub-Saharan African migrants in Tunisia has been launched by a group called the Tunisian Nationalist Party. The Tunisian president's commands coincided with an unprecedented crackdown targeting hundreds of sub-Saharan Africans. Lawyers without borders have told me they estimate around 300 people have been detained and placed in an irregular migrant detention facility in one wave of arrests. The group said Ivorians make up the bulk of those they are assisting. Tunisia's Ministry of Interior said they were only applying the law and the migrants being detained were in the country illegally. Civil rights groups and activists say they considered the statement dangerous and warned that it could encourage hate crimes against a minority that already faces tough conditions. Due to the escalating crisis, several African countries have started organizing voluntary repatriation trips for their citizens, as many found themselves homeless and with no other alternative or helpful party to turn to. Others, however, remain stuck in Tunisia, waiting for a solution to unfold. This is Beyond the Headlines, I'm Khaya ibn Mubarak, the Nationals correspondent in Tunis, and this week we're looking at the anti-migrants rhetoric and racially motivated backlash that migrants and black people in Tunisia have been facing in the past few weeks. Before we start, if you want to get every episode of Beyond the Headlines as soon as it comes out, all you need to do is hit subscribe in your podcasting app. In the past few weeks, I have been speaking with dozens of migrants who told me about their personal ordeals in facing what they call systematic racism. Since the beginning of the recent attacks against migrants, I've heard countless stories of people who say they were mugged, abused, forcibly evicted from their homes, and even fired from their jobs due to their skin color. I've met some victims of these attacks camping in front of their country's embassies or in front of the UN's International Organization for Migration and a desperate call for help. At a protest against their treatment outside the UNHCR Tunis office, I met Josephus from Sierra Leone. He's 30 years old and has lived in Tunisia for four years. A year ago, his wife Leticia and seven-year-old son Emmanuel joined him.
1: We are refugee here, no protection. We are not benefiting from no facility. All these things, these organizations are not working. And after the 21, when the, presi- the president gave out a hate speech to uh, we Africans, the sub Saharan Africans, we, we undergo so many horrible things. Some of us were attacked, beat the robbers. Some, uh, some women were raped, you know. Some of the pregnant women were having one, two months and pregnancy was aborted because of the shock, panic, and all those kind of things. We have been camping outside, IOM is getting out to one month. At first when we came, we did not have nowhere to sleep. We are sleeping on the bare ground. And with some, after a week, we have some people who, who we are able to donate tents, coming along with food sometimes. And yet, that not we, that's what we want. We don't want that kind of thing. We need evacuation because we already know that Tunisia don't want us. And we know we are not safe here because we have so many friends that we lost after the 21 of the president's speech. And we have so many friends, relatives, colleagues, who have been in prison. And we have few among us here right now, as you can hear in the background.
0: Josephus says he traveled for a year through Guinea, Mali, Algeria, and then Libya, before he was able to gather enough money to reach Tunisia. But one month ago, his life turned upside down after finally settling with his family. His current life is a constant state of fear and anguish.
1: Tunisia is not safe for us black, whether you use flights or you use the, the deserts to enter Tunisia.
0: The day after President Qais Saeed's statement, Josephus and his family were kicked out of their home. He was separated from his wife and son at first and was not able to find them until five days later.
1: I was kicked on the 22nd. On the 23rd, we came to IOM. That was the time they kicked us out, you know. And at the time I came there on the 23rd, I met some people who were already there, you know. And all of us here, we're all refugees, asylum seekers.
0: Josephus had only harsh words for the non-governmental organizations meant to help asylum seekers.
1: Some of them are still waiting to be called by the staff of UNHCR to interview them. But this system, this this system of UNHCR IOM is not working, they are not protecting us. And we know Tunisia government do not want us. The people do not want us. Only a few majority of the people of Tunisia like us. I would say something like 15%. And the remaining 85% don't like us. So that's why we need evacuation before it's too late, before they start filling our blood here.
0: Joseph has told me his seven-year-old son can't access an education because of the situation.
1: He's not going to school since he came here, you know, because, you know, uh, the kind of work I'm having here, I won't be able to get the kind of money to put him to school. And this organization is not doing anything because I believe they are the ones responsible to work there. But they are not doing nothing. So I had to let my son sit down at home.
0: But he says he just wants to feel safe again.
1: Evacuation? there's all. whether in Africa it's okay because we just want to go somewhere that the human rights is protected and, and the organization are active and working. That's the kind of place. We don't mind going to Gwanda.
0: In the weeks following February 21st, black Tunisians took to social media, describing events of random strangers in the streets, mocking and harassing them, only to take back what they said once they told them that they're Tunisian too. Ziyeh is a black Tunisian activist who has been working for years with Manemati organization, an NGO that works to eradicate all forms of discrimination against black people in the country. Ziad is a neighborhood friend of mine, but when I met him for the first time following the president's statement, he was full of anger and sadness, unlike his usual calm self. Ziad spoke to me two weeks after that encounter. He described the 21st of February statements of the president as a bomb that gave the green light to launch racist campaigns against African migrants and all black people in Tunisia who have been living in fear ever since.
2: Racist and fascist crimes against the black community in Tunisia took place after the presidential statement on February 21st, which gave the permission not to hold racists in Tunisia accountable in an indirect way halting, in a way, the law that criminalized racism.
0: Since the beginning of the crisis, several Tunisian and international human rights organizations have rang the alarm regarding the unfathomable conditions faced by immigrants from all places in Tunisia. Nisaf Slema, a research advocacy and communication assistant at Amnesty International Tunisia, has been collecting testimonies of racist attacks. She has interviewed dozens of individuals from different African countries. She found an uptick in reports of violence against the black community since Qay Saeed's statement in February. We've basically been
3: hearing since the beginning of the year about um, cases of arrests against migrants taking place across the country. But uh, the rise in the number of arrests plus um, attacks against members of the sub-Saharan community in Tunisia have totally increased. Following the statement of the president, the hateful language that he used, the false accusations that he made against the migrants, accusing them of seeking to change the demography of the country, painting them as some sort of colonizers that want to, to shift the culture and society in Tunisia, turning it from a Muslim um, Arab country to basically just another African nation, a word that uh, Saeed has used.
0: Nisaf said some immigrants' houses were raided, and even people who employ or house black immigrants were threatened. In some cases, their few possessions were also taken, she said.
3: The attitude of Tunisians seemed a bit vindictive to me, in the sense that not only would they come in inside the house and kick out this foreigner, this black foreigner, but they would also steal their belongings. In many uh, cases of migrants I spoke with, they bluntly said that Tunisians basically robbed them of their savings they even took gas bottles if i may say they took t- tvs refrigerators anything they can find that could be useful uh, for them and like when a person tells you that you can you can really see the sadness behind the story he's trying to tell you he's saying that people came into like his or her house, not only kick them out, but also strip them of the very little things they managed to earn in this country. So I'm not saying that Tunisians are 100% racist or that we don't like foreigners or... Basically, the country is a pot. You find the good and the bad, and you find the racist and and the more tolerant. But when an exonophobic and hateful speech comes from the head of government, comes from like an authority figure, comes from someone that people have been advocating for as this clean, thoughtful president, it does automatically encourage many people to trespass limits and to
0: to attack and to rob. The escalation in action against black people in Tunisia does not come as a surprise to me. Having grown up here, I've always heard stories about families breaking off their daughters' or sons' marriages because the partner they chose is black. Entire towns might get divided by certain invisible line due to the skin color of their people. I still remember how my Tunisian parents opposed the fact that my best friend in high school was black. It took me lots of courage and defiance to protect that friendship. In the weeks following the racist backlash caused by the president's statement, the Tunisian Ministry of Foreign Affairs tried to fix the mess. Foreign Minister Nabil Ammar gave an interview to French channel France24 and also held a presser at the ministry denying all racism accusations. Three weeks after his inflammatory uh, comments, uh, President Kais uh, Said said in a press conference with Guinea-Bissau President Omero Sisoko Mbalo uh, that he could not be called racist since he has family members non, married to Africans mesdame, as well as friends from university and neighbours. Uh, ne pas but this sentiment didn't seem to trickle down to the streets. Nisaf described an incident which happened in broad daylight shortly after. In the few days that
3: followed, we've also heard of this very unfortunate incident that happened to another activist, another black activist in the country, and she was only who was attacked in the in the street only because of the skin of her of her color, and she was attacked by a fellow Tunisian that told her to leave the country, without knowing that she's also Tunisian. And then we also started seeing this campaign from black activists, black friends and people that we know that started this, you can say, comic campaign on social media, but it's, it's really it's full of sadness. We started seeing these black Tunisians holding their passports, holding their identification cards, in a message to say that they too are Tunisians and that people should not be attacking them.
0: In contrast to all of this, In 2018, Tunisia became the first country in the Arab region to issue a groundbreaking law criminalizing racism. Its application remained questionable, but it worked in a way, and it certainly deterred horrible crimes from happening. But now that this whole situation unfolded, what's next for Tunisians? And would it be possible for those harmed to recover from it? Ziad tells me what's the core issue that he thinks the state should consider.
1: The
2: social divisions we're living in Indonesia are exhibited in marginalizing some people in the society, such as minority groups and different social classes. We're also seeing hateful campaigns among Tunisians. It will take years to rebuild the societal brain. And we all must learn how to coexist and how to understand our differences. We Tunisians are different, but we need years to heal from long health policies in the countries that didn't work with minorities and making all social spectrum inclusive.
0: This episode is produced by Gaia bin Mubarak, Dua Farid, and Arthur Edison. I am Gaya bin Mubarak, and thanks for listening to Beyond the Headlines. For all the latest episodes, just hit subscribe in your podcasting app, and if you can leave us a review while you're there, it makes all the difference.